Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles Fanuary, the podcast that this January pits two movies with something in common picked by fans of the show and puts them in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week, in the red corner, Sean Connery's final movie before retirement and, like an old tiger, he's at his fiercest at the end. Just ask director Stephen Norrington. From 2003, we're talking The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Well, in the blue corner, director Stephen Sommers teams up with Hugh Jackman to bring Universal's Menagerie of Monsters to the big screen in the hope of replicating the success of the Mummy franchise in 2004's Van Helsing. What happened to Mina? Oh, she's probably hip-deep in some sort of trouble. Don't be such an alarmist, Mr. Q. And my hips are none of your business. Suit! Go on! I guessed as much. That they would do anything to protect you. So now that's your biggest mistake. How long has it been? Three, four hundred years? Exactly what is it I should be remembering? You are the great Van Helsing, trained by monks and mullahs from Tibet to Istanbul. Protected by Rome herself. But, like me, hunted by all others. So it's a monster mauling this week, but which film will be victorious? Let's find out. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. the Kraken. My dear Clash Potters, I've buried two wives and many lovers, and I'm in the no mood for more of either. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. Chris Tilly. Hey, guys, how are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, oh, all right, thank you. What a pairing this week, huh? Oh, my God, what a week. What a week. What a week. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, I, I've been through a lot of emotions, actually. Sure. 
sure. anger and boredom and frustration and confusion and then as a sort of euphoria mm. uh, and now anticipation. Okay. Because it is fair, isn't it? And that doesn't happen that often. This is what I always said. I always said, because, you know, eyebrows can be raised about the quality of these movies, but what we love is a fair fight, and also the quality is very good for one of these films. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big swing early on. That's what I'm about. Those are not my notes. That's what I'm about. So this is our continuing journey of listener-chosen clashes as we leave Fanuary this week and enter February Fanny. If you have a clash to suggest, email us at show at clashpod.com with a reason for your suggestion, and we might try and fit it in, although it is looking pretty full now. But back to today. Chris, who do we have to thank for our fourth Fanuary clash of LXG versus Van Helsing? Two people. Uh, first person is Hakon uh, Osmundson, who says, Love the show, all in, five stars, etc. Mm. Uh, but I'm just a couple <laughs> of years younger than you, so my nostalgia is for late 90s, early noughties. He gave a list of suggestions, of which this was one. Then James Hill uh, sent a lengthy email where he said lots of nice things about the podcast. Though he did call me the straight man, which I'm not that happy about. <laughs> not for the first time. No. This does happen before. No. You. No, thank it. you. Mm. Um, He's the funny one. <laughs> <laughs> that is me. You're the I'm man. The, I'm the glamour. He's everything. <laughs> and you're the man of a hundred voices. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> More of that to come. Uh, but James wrote some great reasons for this pairing. He says both are misfiring attempts to jam together some literary and filmic horror icons. Both helmed by by once promising Stevens about to suffer a calamitous fall from grace. <laughs> Good. The, Good. N- the Norrington variety disappeared into movie oblivion pretty much immediately and took Sher Connery uh, with him, although his exit was pretty much self-imposed, whereas the Summers variety limped on to G.I. Joe, then fizzled out with Odd Thomas in 2013. Both films are a triumph of production design, and I assume Alex will go nuts for the fun opening of Van Helsing with the Universal logo being set ablaze. Oh. Both feature some extremely shonky CGI, as seen in the super buff werewolves in VH and some Mr. Hyde in LXG. Ha 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 ha, so early noughties. Uh, <laughs> both feature surprisingly innovative moments, e.g. the presentation of the double cross in LXG via period accurate film techniques. Uh, both overstuffed messes and crucially and weirdly, both feature villainous turns from Richard Roxburgh as the boring phantom and the best Dracula ever portrayed on film. <laughs> trademark. Truth. Truth. Seriously. Yes, truth. He's a work of histrionic genius, unashamedly crying out. I feel nothing with the most emotionally overwrought delivery. <laughs> yes. <laughs> lots and lots to discuss. Oh. Thank you, James. That's a great uh, bunch of reasons. Yeah, and on a personal level, James, hey, Con, thank you for this. This is the ideal week for my movie sensibility. So, again, very, very excited. So, the clue Chris gave on last week's show was, and I was wrong, and you were right, and I'm sorry. What? Oh, about um, Paris. Hiding yeah. in Paris. You were right. I got confused. Yeah. I got confused. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm so sorry. Uh, we followed up on Twitter with... I, it was, we were pissed, and it was something you told me to say. And, it, <laughs> and, and then I looked at it back the next day, and it's like, oh, yeah, we're just basically saying titles again. <laughs> <laughs> it was beautifully shot, though. It was well really shot, Alex. Well Alex, don't film me. I don't want anyone to see me this drunk. <laughs> you two, it's fine. It's <laughs> I have been the victim of Chris's. Let's do the clue now with four pints in before. Oh, victim. Give up. Because we forget. Um, So it was something to do with there being some 
girls out of my league. A, a vampire particularly. A I vampire mean, over there we out weren't of my messing league. about. No, no. It was <laughs> brilliant much. stuff. And guess what? Mm. Quite a few people got it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the guesses were found hiding on our Twitter, at ClashPod, if you want to give us a follow. We're also on Instagram and TikTok, at ClashPod as well. And if you're in the business for a little, a little extra clash out of the visual variety, completely free of charge, why not check out our Clash of the Titles YouTube channel. So, who won this week with the first correct guess? A well done to Gemma Page and Frank B, who got it Ooh. right. But the winner this week with the first correct guess is multiple winner Richard Cartwright. Congratulations, Richard. Your prize is a set of Transylvanian horses because nothing is faster than a Transylvanian horse. <laughs> nothing. And nothing. They can, they can fly. You can, think of what you can think of. Do you think it's fat? It's not faster than a Transylvanian horse, Richard. Don't be stupid. They're the fastest thing, obviously. Connection section. I've, I've, re- I've got eight here. I've realised that James did not a seven of them. Yeah, I'm enjoying this actually because yeah, it's, it's useful. Um, it's really useful. They're <laughs> yeah. all they're just the same. Oh, uh, they don't they mess with the logo in both of them. They yeah. do. Yeah, and they I, do. Arguably, I'm surprised James didn't mention this. Yeah. I think the LXG one, which we'll talk about, mm. is better than the Van Helsing one okay. by a long it's way. Part of the film, it's isn't it? Amazing yeah. what they do. <laughs> amazing. Uh, Richard Roxburgh, I've got a little Roxy factoid uh, for you though, just yes, off please. the back of uh, James's uh, spots that he's in both movies. Uh, he played Sherlock Holmes in The Hand of the Baskervilles, Professor Moriarty in The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and Count Dracula in Van Helsing. So he's one of only two actors to play all those three characters ever in the history of media mm-hmm. because Orson Welles is the only other to play now them. Now that is a shame because oh. that's about two-thirds of my background. <laughs> no, so I just give me a sec while I delete that. I'm not joking. Look at the size of that paragraph. Whoa, that's all gone. Okay, thanks for that. Because aren't Dracula and Sherlock Holmes the two most sort of played characters in film history? Yeah. And with Jesus coming up the rear. <laughs> Oof. <Wow. laughs> well, I don't even think he meant to do that, if I'm honest. I think he did. Did, did you really? <laughs> Nothing he says hasn't been written down. He Ron Burgundy's me all the time, but it's all there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, James had a lot of them. Jekyll and Hyde, obviously. Van Helsing gets a mention in LXG, and obviously. Well, yeah, there's lots of, lots of Bram, Bram Stoker's Dracula is in both of the films. Agonising transformations in both films. A masked ball is in both of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, both films feature a climax in which two giant CGI mm. monsters smash the crap out of each other. Mm. Okay. And I want to say steampunk, but it's because I'm not very good with design, because obviously steampunk is like, what if computers hadn't been invented? But obviously these take place when computers wouldn't have been invented anyway. Yep. So is it fair to say that aesthetic or is that misrepresented? League of Victoria Gentlemen definitely is steampunk. Okay. I don't know, but Van Helsing, I don't know if the like weapons before, count. Yeah, I feel like they do, but I don't know much about it, so I'm asking. Uh, based on your uh, Ernest Borgnine um, fact or connection from back in the Poseidon where Ernest Borgnine might have been in the towering inferno, but uh, Robbie Coltrane voices Mr. Hyde yeah. in Van Helsing and at one point yeah. at one point he was considered for the role of Campion Bond James Bond's grandfather in LXG before the role was cut right okay <laughs> so it's not actually a connection it's not apparently it is now okay <laughs> Apparently that's things that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let's get on with this. All right then. So on Thursday, we're going to be saying get in the van, Helsing, which means today <laughs> I'm out of your league and into the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Let me take you on a journey. Professor Moriarty is stockpiling weapons to sell to every nation on the planet. Once his plan to start a world war reaches fruition, to do this, he's planting a bomb in a European city which will trigger this global conflict. 
is the plot of Sherlock Holmes' Game of Shadows, mm. which basically serves as a prequel to this film as it's set in 90, 1891, with LXG picking up the story eight years later in 1899, and Moriarty revealed not to have perished at Reichenbach Falls, instead surviving and carry on setting exactly the same plan in motion. Also, just in case you weren't totally following the analogy of Alan Quartermain being like an old tiger, a <laughs> literal old tiger Best bit. turns up. <laughs> Clash putters for your consideration. Other League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Unbelievable that Not it is. Not only that the he turns plot. up and you're like, all right, fine, it's a bit of a straightforward film, so he's mm. eye to eye with the tiger. Mm. And then Nemo pops out. What was that? Was it a tiger? Yes, an old tiger. <laughs> Do be careful. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, we, we can't call out Alan Moore, can we, for stealing a plot? for a film that would be made 15 years later. No, no, no. Uh, we can't do that, although there is. Uh, Alan Moore does have issues with part of the production of... Ellie. Well, obviously he has issues with part of the production. He has issues with a lot of films yeah. that have been adapted from his work, <laughs> if not all of them. I, I mean, as a filmmaker, if you're adapting Alan Moore's work, do you have a conversation and go, just don't say anything. Yeah, just get this done. <laughs> just like, can you not? Because you are being paid. Let's not forget. We are purchasing this from you. But being a great writer, he's very funny in his criticism mm. of each and every project. Yeah. So, individual histories with this movie, V. Not seen it, ever. Avoided it. Heard it was a bag of shit. <laughs> so, what a pleasant surprise. What a pleasant surprise you And heard. you know what? I loved it. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's been tough. <laughs> like, I enjoyed watching it. I will definitely say that. And I'm not like, oh, and then this and this. But it's... I, God, I wanted it to be so much better than it is. That's all. Like, it's all, all the ingredients are there. I, I'm, you know, I, I like this... Uh, what's the right thing? Thing. <laughs> I like this fucking situation. <laughs> All right. There we are. All right, cool. So this wasn't uh, part of the Mark Parsons collection, weirdly. Do you know, it's so strange. Uh, it's an oversight on his part, yeah, 100%, really but no, it wasn't. really is. Chris? Uh, I hadn't seen it because I heard it was a pie of shit. <laughs> um, no, you're joking. You've seen this before. I'm getting there. Let me just... I, I hadn't seen it, and then a few years after it came out, I took a taxi with someone who was in it and asked them about it, and they said, it's a pile of shit. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, he, said it's, he said it's one of the worst films ever made. <laughs> can, we, can we guess who it is? We... No, no, oh, no, I don't okay. think it's fair. I think we know. I think yeah. you know, because I've told you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very funny man. Okay. That is yeah. a clue. Um, but then I did watch it... Uh, just over a year ago okay. when we were going to do it together on something together that we were talking about. So I had notes written up for right. it and even different categories. Worst scene, least valuable player and scene we'd keep. <laughs> Rubbish. Uh, <laughs> this, this Go right. again. So the annoying thing about that is because um, that was so long ago, I had to watch it again. So I've now had to watch it twice. Got it. <sighs> But like like Vicky said, I mean, I wasn't unentertained. You yeah. can't not be unentertained. No. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's good. It's good. There's stuff to love about this movie and it's glorious unholiness. Well, I'll tell you about my history. So I've watched it twice before. The first time I watched it, I was obviously super excited because Stephen Norrington Blade, I was like, yes, I was a little disappointed. Watched it again with lower expectations, started to enjoy it a lot more. This third time, totally into it, mm. loved it, really enjoyed it. I will say, yes, the third act, which applies to both movies, is a bit of a car crash, mm. which we'll talk about because I'm not sure how much of a hand Stephen Longton actually had in that final act. But I still think there's a lot to enjoy here. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you a bit about this. Ooh, strap in. Here we go. 
So... As we said, based on the comic series from Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill, which came out in 1998, producer Don Murphy purchased the rights to this uh, along with From Hell, both for 20th Century Fox. But this was the movie he was most excited about. Did you enjoy reading it? I didn't read it. Uh, It's good. I've heard it's very good. Yeah, it's better than this. I've, I've heard it's. Be- I've heard. There's stuff you have to cut out. I'll be honest. <laughs> the bit about the Invisible Man. I, yeah. Yes. That's pretty bad. Oh my god. Mm. I'm not gonna. I wasn't gonna cover it, but in it, the Invisible Man in the storybooks is hiding out in a girls' school and having. Well, he's sexually insulting the girls in the school. And he's a sympathetic character, is he? Uh, by the end, he's, he's, lovable rogue, he's he? offered redemption by joining the league. <laughs> Didn't make it into a, 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 a PG-13. So. He's really excited about this. He said, the more British I could keep this, the better. (laughs) So this is our first question mark. We're going to get into this right away. So a producer called Martin Pohl and a very famous screenwriter, Larry Cohen, filed a lawsuit against 20th Century Fox in excess of $100 million because they claim that Fox poached the idea and violated their copyright when they made this movie because in 1993, way before even the graphic novel was an idea for Alan Moore, they came up with an idea that they presented to Fox called Cast of Characters, which was a feature film which, in their words, had plot, characters, dialogue and mood suspiciously mirrored Mm -hmm. in LXG. They'd already got John Landis on board to direct it. Uh, Have a listen to the pitch. Cast of characters recounts a fictional struggle revolving around Alan Quatermain and Sherlock Holmes battling James Moriarty and Oscar Wilde's Dorian Gray. Both films feature the same literary characters, Alan Quatermain, James Moriarty, Jekyll and Hyde, Tom Sawyer, Dorian Gray... And the Phantom. Mm. Now, this is a linchpin of their argument because Dorian Gray, Tom Sawyer and the Phantom are not featured in the LXG comic and yet made it into the LXG movie. But those characters are out of copyright. Hmm? So you can own... I do do know. I'm thinking out loud. You can own or have a claim to the framework in which you kind of suspend those characters, but you can't say because I've got Dorian Gray and Moriarty in the same scene together, I own that because nobody... They're out of copyright, no? Yeah, I mean, I see your point. I think they're just like, well, you picked Dorian Gray. Of all the people you could pick to add to the LXG family, you've picked a character that we presented to you as a villain in our pitch for cast of characters. Yeah, but, you know. I mean, they won. Yeah, they were essentially. Which I'm glad. Larry Cohen's one of my heroes, Mm -hmm. director of The Stuff. Yep. (laughs) Which we're going to do at some point. If I can figure out what to pair it with. Well, we know what to pair it with. It's just not available. Someone released the blob. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The 80s version, not the 50s version. Um, Yeah, didn't didn't they settle out of court? They did. Yeah. Yeah, which really upset Alan Moore because he felt the fact that he didn't get his day in court meant that he wasn't able to clear his name because Mm. I guess, you know, people, some people, although I don't think I've ever read it anywhere, might be suspicious of whether he then took the ideas from yeah. cast of characters also, for his novel. settling out of court isn't the same as winning. No. So. No. You get paid money, though. Yeah, which is also a form of winning, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's lovely, isn't it? <laughs> I still love that part of the job. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? So, there's that. Writing-wise, LXG is written by comic book writer James Dale Robinson, who is immediately given some stipulations by Fox. First, they want an American audience to love this movie. It's all English characters. So, he has to add Agent Tom Sawyer. Uh, He was there to give the film a bit of youth Mm -hmm. sex appeal Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, He says, I think 20th Century Fox felt more comfortable making a movie that was very expensive, knowing there was a young American character in it. Fair enough. Could have been a lot worse, though. Early drafts of this movie 
After the first third, which is set in Europe, the next two thirds and the climax all took place in America. It was a plot to release poison gas on the fledgling New York subway. And James Dale Robinson uh, says after September the 11th, Fox said, you know what, that could actually happen. So we moved it to Venice, Italy, and the poisoning angle was replaced with a plot involving a mad bomber. Mm-hmm. Great plot device as well. The bomb. The bomb. I don't get it. You have to, I swear to God, <laughs> we'll you will to have it. to walk me through it. We'll get to it. Uh, as well as all of that, there were numerous changes uh, made from the graphic novel. And uh, Robinson says, as brilliant as the graphic novel is, it is not a movie. There, unfortunately, the reading level of the world has declined. So introducing literary characters was something that had to be dealt with head on. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> How about we tell you exactly why I'm like this, even though my name is Dorian Gray and everyone fucking knows it. Like, I just think I if did you're... sigh at that point, and yeah. I love this movie, but yeah. I sighed. At I think that if point. you're watching this, you do know these people. Otherwise, you're not. It's not your. It's not for you, is it? I I sighed when he started going. Let me explain. Yes, there's a painting. Yeah. But I was like, to do that in three lines, I was like, at least it's succinct. But doesn't Mina at some point say, "I'm a vampire because I was bitten"? But it's like Jesus, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a big difference from the comic because in the comic, she is not a vampire. She's been bitten, and she had uh, <laughs> just an experience with her power is Dracula trafficking bats. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're gonna hate this in the comic she's the leader she's the one who is assigned to put together she's the group she's she's our central character in the comic so she's really relegated here yeah yeah Uh, and in the comic they're fighting against Fu Manchu who plans to build an airship to destroy London Uh, so obviously again the ending in this very very different Uh, it was legal reasons that meant Dr Fu Manchu was out of this script also, we don't really do Fu Manchu anymore. No. I think that probably we, we, was part of it. We've moved on. Yeah. Uh, according to uh, the comics illustrator, Kevin O'Neill, Moore wanted nothing to do with the film, so O'Neill was the one who was sent the script. He read it, he said, I don't recognise any of this. <laughs> <laughs> Not a word. <laughs> the Bank of England, Venice, the character names were similar, but they added Tom Sawyer. It was a bit of an odd thing to do, and I didn't think much more about it. Then after watching it, he said... They made the film they set out to make. It's nothing to do with our league. Uh, Alan Moore has apparently never seen the film. So, shall we go through who these characters are? I mean, again, you probably know who they are, but uh, we've got Alan Quatermain, H. Ryder Haggard's King Solomon's Mines hero, Mina Harker from Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, Jekyll and Hyde from Robbie Lewis Stevenson's The Strange Cades of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Rodney Skinner, who replaced Hawley Griffin, who is in the comic because H.G. Wells's The Invisible Man was under copyright to another studio. Right. So that's why Sean Connery goes, an invisible man. Awesome. Not the invisible man. Can't have that. <laughs> uh, got Captain Nemo from Jill's Verne, Dorian Gray from Oscar Wilde, Tom Sawyer from Mark Twain, Ishmael from Herman Belleville's Moby Dick, Moriarty from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and finally the Phantom and his mask design alludes to Gaston LaRue's The Phantom of the Opera, and last but not least, M from Ian Fleming's Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Where's Nigel from? Nigel? Mm. Pff, Nigel's just a cad. Okay. He's just a joker. <laughs> Toddle on, Nigel. <laughs> Toddling! <laughs> See? Great. Brilliant. Great. He loves to toddle. So, Moore and O'Neill based their character of Alan Quatermain on Sean Connery. So that's why Norrington met with the man himself who agreed to do the film. Uh, his reason for doing this, um, it's, uh, he turned down The Matrix at this point. 
He turned down the role of Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings because he said he didn't understand the scripts, yet they became huge successes, so he felt compelled not to make the same mistake again. Do you want to know, and just when I read this figure, you know, we were literally just talking about making money. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. How nice it is. (laughs) How wonderful it is. Do you know how much money he lost? Because on Lord of the Rings, they were going to pay him $30 million to play Gandalf. Across all the films? Yep. And then 15% of the box office because Warner Brothers wanted him so badly. 15%? 15%. He lost out by choosing not to play Gandalf on $450 million. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Couldn't oh, happen yeah. to a nicer bloke. Yeah. <laughs> um, why, didn't, why didn't they cast him as Campion Bond? Because He's they, in the book. They cut Campion Bond. I know, but they didn't have to. <laughs> Campion Bond. He's, he's Bond's grandfather. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he's, I, I think he's great as Quartermain. Yeah, um, he's good. He's, he's good. really good. So he gets seventy million uh, for this, and Ian McKellen plays Gandalf. Um, but that seventy million that they paid Connery seven zero one seven one seven sorry one seven to pay Connery, I meant they didn't have a lot of money for the rest of the cast, <laughs> um, unfortunately. Uh, but he did get an executive producer credit, uh, did Connery, uh, which goes some way to explaining. I guess maybe he would have been able to do this anyway, but he refused to play, according to rumours, he refused to play Alan uh, Quatermain as an opium addict because in the comic right. he's discovered in Cairo by Mina mm-hmm. and he's addicted to opium yeah. and he has to he's go on the off naughtiest. his tits. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but in this, I, he's just like, just saying that. He's having line, a drink, like, I he's guess. A, he's having a good time in yeah. Kenya. Uh, Connery says of this, uh, which obviously was his last film, and it's the film that made him quit acting. The famous quote from the Times, it was a nightmare. The experience had a great influence on me. It made me think about showbiz. I get fed up with idiots. Uh, The idiot I think he's talking about, he did not get on with Stephen Norrington. Uh, On the first day, I realised he was insane. (laughs) (laughs) More on that in a moment. Uh, a couple of other casting bits. Uh, Saffron Burroughs was going to be Mina Harker. Uh, then it was going to be Monica Bellucci, but she was exhausted after making The Matrix Reloaded in Tears of the Sun. So she dropped out to be replaced by the unknown Petter Wilson. Uh, Shane West played Tom Sawyer. He was a bit of a heartthrob. He'd been in a Nicholas Sparks adaptation, A Walk to Remember. He was one of the guys, you know, that great scene where Brad Pitt is... Uh, rinsing the kids playing poker at the start of Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. He's one of them. Oh. He's one of them. Uh, so he's in. Right then, let's get into the meat of this. Uh, Stephen Norrington, as I said, he'd done Blade, big hits. Then he'd done a personal movie called The Last Minute, which didn't even get a theatrical release. Never heard of it. Spent a lot of his money uh, making that film. So there's a rumour that he was just going to take a money job at this point and this was presented to him. So he gets on board. I don't know if that's true. Uh, I do know his background was in visual effects. He did the visual effects on two movies that are worth a mention. Aliens, the best <laughs> sure. alien movie. And Split Second, which we still haven't done. The Rutger Howard giant rat monster thing. Oh, OK. Yeah. So, as I said, him and Connery. One, to- one story talks about how Connery didn't like to be kept waiting around and Norrington shut down production for a day because he didn't like the way the prop elephant gun looked on camera. So this is the story where they apparently nearly came to blows. It starts with an infuriated Connery threatening to have Norrington fired. Then allegedly Norrington told Connery, come on, if you want to punch me, punch me in the face. <laughs> Connery recalls it differently, saying Norrington said, do you want to hit me? To which Connery replied, don't tempt me, and then walked off set. 
So there's uh, another famous quote from the premiere, which Norrington did not attend. Uh, when Connery was asked about the director's whereabouts, he said, have you checked the local asylum? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Leaning into a theme. Yeah. Uh, by the sound of things, though, Norrington did not like the big feature filmmaking experience and environment. A couple of quotes from the producers of this. Trevor Albert said, Stephen is incredibly creative. He just doesn't love the pressure of the big group of people. The rewards don't outweigh the negatives. Don Murphy, the producer, said, Stephen is an immensely talented guy and comes from a visual effects background. He's extremely good with action and visual effects. Not sure he's necessarily a people person. Then there are rumours about the edit. Some say Norrington supervised uh, editing only three of the film's seven reels and opted out of some of the traditional roles played by directors during a film's editing, adding new visual effects, presenting the film to the studio, incorporating or fighting the studio's notes. Uh, It's not clear whether the cut that we actually get to see is Norrington's or not, because he doesn't do interviews, doesn't do promotion, hasn't talked about his experience making this film. Uh, But producer Don Murphy alludes to the fact that Norrington wasn't in the edit at the end. He says he was really happy with the way things were going, but he never would have been ready by the July the 11th release date. He never believed the July 11th release date was real. He never believed the hard financial budget number was real. He couldn't be bothered with limitations. And the studio is only concerned about limitations. Uh, James Robinson, the writer, said the studio wanted something a little bit flashier, more of a summer movie. Stephen wanted to do something that was more introspective. Uh, He does go on to say, I was relieved to find out that even through the complexity, even though the complexity of the characters has been whittled down, the shadings of those complications still remained. Okay, I knew you'd say okay at the end of that. (laughs) I knew you'd say okay. Uh, It's a myth, I think, that Sean Connery edited this film. People said he was in the edit and he did the final edit, but the producer... Is he known as a good editor? I don't know. Because it's not very well edited. <laughs> well, no, although it was a, a, a quite a good editor, Paul Rubel. It's did. not that, is it? It's this, it feels like there's bits, huge bits missing. Mm. There's a huge set piece missing somewhere. Some of the, the way it's edited, some of the adrenaline builds at the end of the scene and then it just falls off a cliff. It's like, what's happening? So it, it runs at about one hour, 37 minutes, this movie. And I think you could easily put 15 minutes back in. And weirdly, there are 15 minutes of deleted scenes that you can watch on the Blu-ray and on the on YouTube. And you like and each one of those scenes, you're like, oh, that's really good. Mm. That explains a little more about these characters and their motivations. Yeah, there's just huge chunks yeah. gone. Uh, I'll, last thing I'll mention is that uh, they didn't have an easy shoot. Uh, $7 million worth of sets were destroyed when epic rain and floods engulfed the Czech Republic where they were shooting. They destroyed the Nautilus and delayed production for three weeks, but Fox refused to move the release date, even when the effects house that was charged with creating Venice didn't do a very good job and they were left scrambling for a new effects house in the height of summer blockbuster season. Wow! So it was a troubleshoot, to say the least. Um, but they refused to move the release date, which meant that it went up against a little movie called Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Oh, yeah. Uh, it opened second to that, but it only had half its ticket sales. Although that said, it made $179 million on a $75 million budget. So it wasn't a flop. It just didn't do the money that Fox wanted to create a new X-Men style franchise. Any more for any more? No. Nope. Right then. Well, just before we go through this movie, I'll start with one of the film's taglines. Waiting to be impressed. You're about to be. And we'll continue after this break. Small details are big surfaces. 
tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Right then. So, as we discussed... Oh, that logo. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh. Mm. Huh? Mm-hmm. Huh? Good business. Oh, my gosh. Best scene. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it a struggle this week, though? Like, not to be snarky, but both times I was like, ooh, don't know. Don't know. Might leave that blank. <laughs> it's great. The 20th Century Fox logo becomes an industrial complex. That is cool. Yeah, it's I great. do like it. Yeah, It's great. 1899, Europe's at peace. Old wars were fought with horse-drawn cannon, cavalry, and single-shot rifles. But a new age dawned. For more information, see Sherlock Holmes' Game of Shadows. <laughs> so we're in London. More gate passage! <laughs> More gate passage! Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Doesn't even exist. Weirdly specific. Then you're like, oh, Bank of Vink? Okay, that's fine. More gate passage! <laughs> uh, yeah, some bobbies versus a tank. Uh, they're hitting it with truncheons. Yeah. Mm. One of them stands in front of it and goes, Had- halt! Hadn't, hadn't that guy seen Austin Powers or anyone that made this? Because v- being very slowly run over has been done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Move out the way. Yeah. Get out of the way! <laughs> it's all a bit Keystone Cops, a bit, to be yeah. perfectly honest. It's a little bit silly, um, but saying that, I do enjoy the destruction derby when it starts going through the walls of the mm. Bank of England. I mean, Blows the bloody doors off. It yeah. really does. And the German army are accused of theft. Then we flip reverse it. Yep. We're in Berlin. Whoa. What's going on? What's happening? Didn't see that yeah. coming. Yeah. No. Yeah. And the English are being accused of stealing a scientist and blowing up some Zeppelins. Um, obviously... 
I do love the way the Phantom fires the missile into the Zeppelins. That is good, yeah. And then he turns around, cool as you like, and just walks away as... <laughs> behind him. Because even though the other guys... The best joke in the other guys is mocking people coolly walking away from massive explosions. Yes. I still think it looks cool. Of course you do. Because yeah. you know how impossible it is. And you yeah. think that must be the coolest person alive. Because human beings flinch at everything. Exactly. But at this point... I am in for this movie. And it looks expensive, though. I know the CGI, but it's like the listeners said, uh, it's very of its time and it gets quite wearying. But at this point, you're like, whoa, bloody hell, this is is a spectacle. Start of this looks great and it continues to look great because, as I said, I'm already in and that only gets more and more as we head to Kenya. So... Sanderson Reed, the henchman of Professor Moriarty, uh, turns up uh, looking for Quartermain. So, Sanderson Reed... I'm still not sure why they didn't have Campion Bond, like you said, Chris. Mm-hmm. This is the role that he should be really playing, assembling the team. But yep. nevertheless, we get Sanderson Reed, who literally disappears halfway through this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do you know at the end when Tom Sawyer's fighting an invisible man? That's Sanderson Reed. Mm. That's this guy. Yeah, it's confusing. Is it? It's confusing. But you never see him drink the potion or go invisible, so we're supposed Huge to know. It's missing. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And he doesn't look that different to the actor who plays. The Invisible Man. Rodney Skinner. Mm. Yeah, that's, um, oh my gosh. Tony Curran. Thank you very much, yeah. Right. He's very good as Rodney Skinner. He's all right. Yeah. He was a bit of a fan favourite when this came out. Was he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, uh, Nigel pretends to be Quartermain. Oh, oh Nigel. David Hemmings. Uh, legend. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Um, t- we, we get told that um, Alan Quartermain has thrilled English boys for decades. Do you want to see my notes? <laughs> Do you want to see it? Just I'll show you my work in. Just says in capitals, children! Mm. Thrill children for decades. It's not what we were laughing at, but fine. <laughs> oh, no, of course it isn't. Oh, Sorry, that on. took me a while. It could have been one of the two, but you picked badly. <laughs> she chose poorly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, Quartmain tells Nigel to toddle off. Uh, I'm sad when Nigel dies moments later. Mm, yeah. It's upsetting. She wanted a drink. Uh, it's, I like it, though. It's a good character introduction for... Yep. Sean Connery's Alan Quartermain. It's a good introduction for his last film role. Right. It isn't a lovely... I, I was thinking we did Paul Newman's last film role. Mm. Seems more fitting than The Extraordinary Gentleman for Connery. <laughs> he didn't know at the time, though. No, you fair. just can't know, can you? <laughs> you can't know. You can't know until you watch League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and then you I'm can... done. I'm out, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, ju- uh, I'm calling just, time. I'm ding, just, ding, ding. Have you, have you seen it? <laughs> I'm out. I'm all out. Um, yeah. So he's told that a world war is coming. This notion makes you sweat. Doesn't it, you? This is Africa, dear boy. <laughs> Sweating's what we do. So, obviously, I, I, I said uh, this is different from uh, the, the comics. Uh, it's Mina who leads the team, but we, we can't have Connery taking orders from a woman. <laughs> no. Are you joking? They need to know their place when they're around him. <laughs> he gives orders. He doesn't take orders. Uh, I did write in my notes. Obviously, we're jumping ahead, but we'll jump back. If they get no. together, I'm out. I'm out of all films ever. <laughs> out. Because no... Way. I can't wait to do entrapment. <laughs> I know, I like that film. <laughs> that's, that's really bad, isn't it? Then? What are you doing? I know, it's just, I saw it when I was about 12 and I was like, that's fine. Absolutely makes, fine. Makes, makes perfect I'd sense. be surprised if she didn't. That's Sean Connery. <laughs> What's wrong with her? <laughs> she did end up with Douglas, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She felt obliged to after being cast into the love interest in Entrapment. She's like, I guess I've got to stick to a theme. We all have a type. (laughs) Saggy. (laughs) 
<laughs> I prefer leathery, but yeah, sure. Uh, so some armoured men turn up. Possibly the greatest action sequence in the movie we're about to watch here. It's very good. The fight. Yeah, no. So there's another one. Okay, I'm yeah. interested to know what that is. Uh, so this is good. I just, I love, I love the bit, you know. There's a bit where he smashes him with a bottle of whiskey and goes, wicked waste. Yeah, that's good. And the guy flips. It's good. It's really good. And then... Um, He's just so cool, isn't he, Connery? Automatic rifles. Who has automatic rifles? I know, but that's... I've thought, We're only like, what are we, 10, 12 minutes in? And they've gone, it's a tank! What on earth is a tank? And it's like, well, we know, because we're watching yeah. it now. And then it's like, who has... And it's like, you. I, I get it. It's the this new technology, and it's all so surprising. They do it with a car. They do it with so many things. I agree. That it does, I wrote that down do you know, as well. What, am I, how am I trying to express it? That well, the audience... be, be, because it's not exciting us. It's exciting yeah. the characters, yeah. but it's not of any interest to us to no. see people amazed by technology that we are not yeah. amazed by. There must and so be to a keep way of repeat- doing it. Yeah. Well, all do it once. Mm. You've done it in the opening scene. It's just a, it repeats and repeats yeah. and it's, it's it brings nothing to the an table. Automobile. What on earth is that? Well, exactly. An but also o- in that an scene, auto car. laziness as well. They've got this car and everyone's like, what the fuck is that? And all the people on the street are like, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> no one turns around and goes, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I tried to look into this because it fascinates me. Where uh, it's, I think it's Nigel who goes, it's very unsporting. They're probably Belgian. Where's that come from? The idea of Belgians being unsporting. Do you know? Isn't it not from the um, colonialisation of um, the Congo and the Fine. rubber plantations? That so. makes more sense. It was really brutal. I, don't, I think it's around the same time. But I don't. Someone will tell me if I'm wrong. Which I believe the movie Tarzan it features for some weird reason. It's been really... I don't know. Maybe they just thought it was fine. The, the Belgians, I mean. Um, not the people that were living there at the time. They just had a reputation for brutality. But I didn't realise it was to do with like technological prowess. Who knows? I don't know. Well, we get a very cool moment uh, where uh, Alan Quatermain kills the guy at that distance. I get a little bit of goosebumps when Sanderson is like, he's he's too far away. Yes, I thought he was. And then the shot. (laughs) So cool. (laughs) So, yeah. Fine. It's fine. Anyway. Goosebumps. Yeah. I love that. Was it cold? (laughs) (laughs) You forget that this is my ideal movie. This is this is Sean Connery being a fucking badass. Were you not dying to do a tiny rewrite? Because um, Sanderson goes, he's too far away. And Sean Connery goes, well, I'll get my glasses. And he says something quite literal, like, I just need my glasses. He doesn't. He just starts putting his... No, Sanderson sees him putting the glasses. No, he doesn't see him putting the glasses on he notices him drop the rifle yes. and that's what he thinks he goes yes I thought he was I yeah. thought he was too far away that's it yeah. he should just say he's too far away no he's not glasses on kill him like don't I, it's better that he doesn't say no he's not it's better that he just then takes the shot come okay. on alright I don't know I disagree oh. so he's in Connery's in but just before he leaves he looks at his son's grave he does yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're in London uh, crap Phileas fog joke just to show fucking hell <laughs> the world is populated he was like he's with... just saying words words just <laughs> saying things but also is this because it was for the, the studio it has to be for the US because stuff like this it irritates me so Sanderson Reed goes pack for an English summer now I know it's the next scene is going to be rain and that's funny title London you just said pack for an English summer do I need situation <laughs> with a card that says London. I don't sure. think I do, sure. but maybe other people disagree. Yeah, I think, I mean, in the comics, you know, there were loads and loads of fictional characters populating this world, so I think here it's just the idea that Phileas Fogg is real in this world, world building. Sure. Just introduce it more... <laughs> 
elegantly. <laughs> like he's walking in and the bloke walks out and goes, oh, hello, Phileas. Mm. But, but this, oh, <laughs> just painful. Yeah. Uh, so we get M. Now this would, like we've discussed, be campy and bond uh, from the comics. Uh, they wanted him. They decided to bump him to the sequel, which obviously we never got. But there was talk at one point. Guess who was going to play Campion Bond? Don't know. So Jason Isaacs was one. Robbie Coltrane I already mentioned. Oh, Ernest Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine. Brilliant. Frank Welker. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Sir Roger Moore. Right, mm. okay. Yeah. We'd have had two Bonds in one moment. Yeah! <laughs> one of them even playing an ancestor of Bond. <laughs> Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Uh, so, but you've still got Connery working for M. We do. Which is nice. Nice. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. Uh, let's meet the rest of the team. <laughs> Nemo, uh, played by Nasiruddin Shah. Uh, rumour has it you're a pirate. I prefer a less provocative title. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when he's really good. Yeah, it, is. <laughs> yeah. it is these little it's a, That's moments. a nothing line, yeah. but uh, mm. he makes that excellent. Um, so we find out uh, the Phantom is building weapons that every nation wants. Mm. Uh, European leaders are meeting in Venice. The Phantom's going to attack them there. We've got Rodney Skinner. I think the Invisible Man effects are very good when he's properly invisible. Apart from the papers. When the papers float, I was like, they're on strings. They look <laughs> stupid. But, but then when he turns up, it's good. But he's got the white cream. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not Does he sh- carry the white cream around with him? Yes. So oh, can people see-, see the white cream? <laughs> <laughs> of course. And how much cream has he got? Because sometimes he's got to cover his whole body in it, and sometimes it's just a bit of his face. But Yeah, so I hadn't thought. I want to see floating cream. Yeah. <laughs> it feels quite inconvenient that he's, in most scenes, he's either putting cream on or rubbing cream yeah, off. Yeah. <laughs> and he's naked in all these scenes, so he's a naked man holding a tub. <laughs> not as cool as, as they make him sound <laughs> yeah it's just really inconvenient like when he's at Dorian Gray's house and it's like suddenly the villains turn up he's like I've got to get this fucking cream off and he throws whiskey in his face like that's just going to blind you for the next five minutes of this fight so whether you've got to get the cream off or not it's a bad call Rodney it's a bad call would you just would you just put it on your willy nothing else <laughs> A snake! <laughs> Wait, that's where, uh, you get a worm! It, you get it off really quickly. Where is he? He's there. That's it. It's just a floating white willy. <laughs> the great white willy. <laughs> what a horrible, horrible thought. Just hovering in the corner. Bobbing up and down. Bobbing up and down. Yeah. Paul Verhoeven loves it. <laughs> so, uh, we also meet Mina Harker, wife of the late Jonathan Harker, or divorced from Jonathan Harker. She was bitten by Dracula. We get the car. Ishmael turns up. <laughs> Call me Ishmael. <laughs> I got it. I got it, guys. Wait, wait till you read this. <laughs> it's just a, it's a groan, though, isn't it? It's like I mean, we're laughing, but it's a bit of a groan that moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. I mean, I don't know. Only if you know that it's the opening line to Moby Dick. Not everyone does. People are like enough oh. people know. <laughs> it's just it's figuring out what the tone of it is I think and it, it, that, that's feeling a little bit Mel Brooks to right, me sure yeah. <laughs> sure it is it's the folding of the arms as well call me ish man <laughs> it's like okay I got you uh, we get a bit of banter between me and Alan I've had women come along on past exploits and found them at best a distraction it's not that is it it's when he says uh, I've buried a wife, I've buried a girlfriend, and it's like, she's not offered either of those things, my friend, so, and you are foolishly and wrongly, you're mistaken. Yeah. But I, that, I thought that's movie logic for 
they hate each other. They're definitely going to shag. And I was like, I cannot accept it. I just can't. Yeah. But it's fine. It doesn't happen. And that's good. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Skinner says something a bit rude. Uh, Connery makes the most of a line. Skinner, shut up. <laughs> Again, he does a lot with a little. He he, does. Don't do every one of Sean Connery's lines out. <laughs> fine, fine. Uh, it turns out Skinner is a little bit of a sex pest. Uh, that's that's, it's that's in there. That's yeah. That is in there. Yes, yeah. it is actually. Yeah. Can I just say something that just made me feel a bit weird for the next five minutes till I got over it? And you will laugh at me. But when the gang first meet, and first of all, Sean Connery's like, a fucking woman! And you're like, I thought you were the hero, but n- n- not not to worry. Yep. They say, someone says, Mina's here because she has a connection with a reluctant ex-member of the League. And you go, oh, it must be Dracula. No? Right. So then later when it's Dorian Gray, you're like, oh yeah, I love Dorian Gray, that's fine. But you're like, when's Dracula coming in? <laughs> <laughs> and it just it ruined the next 10 minutes. Mm, okay. Good point. Really? I never thought Dracula was coming. She's so connected to Dracula. Sure. Yeah, sure. she's Mina Harker. <laughs> yeah, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> She's got. What She's not she? in Dorian Gray. <laughs> She's in Dracula. Vicky's right. Call me Ishmael. <laughs> so, uh, did you see the posters on the docks as they arrive at Dorian Gray? And ex- evening, an extraordinary entertainment. Mr. Alan Moore and Mr. Kevin O'Neill. Nope. Okay. Moore would have loved. That. Yeah, they would. But he was like, that makes it all. I okay. made it into the movie. Absolutely just whooping in the cinema. Uh, another poster says, "Eruptions on Mars, maybe volcanoes." Sequel. Yeah, that was the sequel. They were going to be fighting the tripods from H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. Great. Yeah? Okay. That was uh, the unrealised <laughs> sequel. Oh, well. How good is Stuart Townsend as Dorian Gray? I knew we were going to have this conversation. I'm so annoyed. <laughs> He's um, an, I like him. He's an approximation of someone doing that. It's not quite there. I know what you mean. I'm complicated. That's fine. I mean, it's just... He's, I don't know if he's just not... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's this sort of sneering kind of loose dandy playboy thing. I just I don't know. Uh, Another Lord of the Rings connection though. He was kicked off Lord of the Rings a two days before they started shooting Why? and they drafted in Viggo Mortensen. Why? He'd been working with them for three months. Oh my God. And I mean, they, I mean the, the party line was we wanted someone older. Yeah. And obviously they cast someone much older. Yeah. But I, they just hadn't been getting along. But can you imagine that? Like, and I don't think they paid him. There was some debate about, mm. oh, it's just grim. So yeah, it's been, um, Connery and Townsend lost a lot of, they must have been drinking to that on their <laughs> evening golf. <laughs> How much did you lose? Um, Connery's like, well. I will say, I warmed to him though. Once I once I was like, oh, I'm a bit disappointed by the performance, but I got I really got used to it. Really, I went off him weirdly because at the start, the bit where the guy goes, "What are you?" I'm complicated. Like yeah. you're like, okay, that's cool. But then that is pretty much all he does: pithy one-liners yes, for the rest true. of the movie. <laughs> yeah. and you're like, Ugh, all There's right. one at the end. I was like, that is Not good. unacceptable. Yeah, agreed. Like, get agreed. that. That's new. is it. Uh, I always hope to nail you again. Yeah, I thought but, it was. Uh, but you know what? I can even accept it if he leaves it there. Yeah, like that's all right. Yeah. But then I didn't think it'd be literally. <laughs> and then a, a, a look at her body. I mean, that's that's darkness. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a big fight where the Phantom shows up and wants them to join him. Uh, we see all their different skills. I quite like the bit where Mina is held hostage by the guy and he's like saying to them all, he's like, go on, shoot me. Yeah. And they just, lo- they don't even say anything. They just lower their weapons because they know what she's capable of. Which is a shame she doesn't get to do it again. Because who else does she fight? <laughs> In Venice, when they're driving the oh, car. Oh yeah, but that's, I was so distracted because she's like, you, you've made a mistake, sir. I don't need anyone to look after me because I can bite you. And then afterwards she's like, I will use my power. Come on, bats. <laughs> <I just think laughs> Come on, bats. <laughs> so Let's funny. do this. 
is. It's so shit. What's your power? It's herding bats, actually, and it's quite useful. It's quite where good. there are bats. <laughs> no, she brings the bats with her. What, everywhere? <laughs> See, they sort of manifest when she needs them. I mean, I know bats are everywhere, in, in fairness. It's just, it's such a rubbish power. <laughs> I think you underestimate the usefulness of bats. I mean, he does it, Batman actually does it in the, in the first no, Batman, Batman movie. Batman can do loads of other shit, can't he? Sure, sure. Would you want to have a little belt with little tools on it? Fine. Uh, so, uh, Tom Sawyer turns up. Ugh, I really don't like Tom Sawyer particularly in this. Um, there was a deleted scene where he talks about his um, his reason for getting the Phantom is because uh, they killed his friend and co-agent, Huckleberry Finn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see what they've done there. Mm. Yeah. Very uh, clever. <laughs> see, I like all that. Uh, the Nautilus arrives. It's pretty cool. We're off to Paris to get Mr. Hyde. What do you think of Mr. Hyde? Uh, do you I... like the way he looks or not? Specifically what? His face? Or... The, the sort of the combination of CGI and like, actual prosthetics that Fleming had to I wear. I think I do like it, yeah. I think, well, only because it's streets ahead of Mr. Hyde in Van Helsing, so... Mm. I couldn't stop wondering where he got the giant hat from. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Do you have that made? Such a good point. I never lose it. Yeah. Mm. And it's Jekyll having to carry around a gigantic hat, <laughs> just in case. We've got no idea who this Mr. Hyde is. It's him, the guy holding the massive top hat. That's definitely Mr. Hyde, because that's, that's too big for him. Good point. Eyes Thanks. open, boy. I can't protect you all the time. That's going to come back. Yep. Uh, or we get Mina doing a great impression of Sean Connery as Alan Quatermain. Sorry, a great... Are you sure? Well, <laughs> Watch I, it again. I quite like it. I mean, it's fun. But again, I got nervous then, because it's like, oh, if you're doing it, oh, and then he said this, and then he said this, it's like, so you definitely are going to shag. <laughs> again, unacceptable. She was nervous about doing it, because apparently doing Connery impressions on the punch set... Because punch in the fucking face. <laughs> well, apparently it was a no-no. You weren't meant to do Connery impressions for some reason. Uh, but he said when he saw it, you were great. Uh, and she was taken aback and asked if he really meant it. And he said, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's the worst impersonation I've ever heard. It's perfect. Okay. Uh, Dorian scratches Skinner. I quite like the transformation of Hyde to Jekyll. I think it's good. Good. I, I know it's, you know, the shuddery camera thing is because we can't afford to show you the whole thing. But I think it's, mm. I think it works. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, Tom Sawyer and AQ do a bit of bonding. Um, they found out he finds out that his son died in his arms. I do think this is a really cool moment. Like it gets me, and I know it shouldn't, but the bit where he's teaching him to shoot, mm. and then Tom Sawyer says to him, "Did you teach your son to shoot like this?" Mm. And by the time he looks round, Quartermain's already walked off. Yeah. It's like he's not going to talk about that. No, it's personal, man. Personal shit. So got a lot of well sort of we got a lot of time on the Nautilus where we sort of spend a lot of time with characters do you not think it's missing just a set piece on the, um, this point an action piece on the Nautilus there's a lot of character stuff going on it's just it looks I don't know whether this was a problem because the Nautilus was destroyed in the floods and so this is all sort of like last minute putting together it just looks a bit bland it's like long stretches of sea and people standing yeah, on a true. very barren deck it's also boring <laughs> yeah, it's really boring well, is it? I don't know it's boring you know <laughs> strong words but alright fine so we find out in a deleted scene that Hyde's actually killed people 
Uh, they do Nemo. say he's done something terrible, don't they? Yeah, but in this, they actually have Nemo confronts him and he goes, have you actually committed murder? And he's like, yeah, he's done everything that you know. I think they must have removed that because it's like, uh, how, what, how, is there redemption once mm. you've done that? Yeah. No matter how much you help the league at the end. So there's all this suspicion, this mystery. Is it Skinner? Sorry, is there suspicion and mystery? Because <laughs> I didn't notice that. And then they go, Skinner's our problem. And you're like, set pick. Nope, just yeah. in Venice now. And then later on when he's like, well, you all the suspicion on the ship, I had to leave. Don't know what you're talking about. Dorian lays it on pretty thick. At any opportunity, he's like, bloody Skinner's done all this, hasn't but he? That, I was like, what are you talking about, you shit stirrer? That's obviously not happened. I mean, if you, you are sort of going, Dorian's really laying it on pretty thick that Skinner's Maybe the bad guy. Maybe it's him. It's like an episode of The Traitors. The UK one, not the US one. Just... Uh, so uh, Jason Fleming was asked uh, if the bust-ups, uh, obviously between Sean Connery and uh, director Stephen Norrington, were as bad as they were reported. He said, you know when someone in your class is getting told off and your toes curl way back into your Clark's shoes? That's how it was. My favourite bust-up was in Venice. The league had to walk down from Captain Nemo's boat to the street, Magnificent Seven style. At the end of the take, Sean shouted to Norrington, you want us to do it again? Norrington replied, "For seventy million dollars, I think it's—I don't think it's too much to ask for you to walk down a road, Sean." <laughs> True. <Dream. laughs> uh, there's a carnival in Venice. Apparently, that's new information. Yeah. Yeah. I knew there was a secret meeting that actually turns out to not be a real secret meeting. Yeah, but there's fireworks now too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of people die in this moment. <laughs> I mean, I know it says success in inverted commas. They stopped the entire destruction of Venice. And I am, it's a bit like that Die Hard bit. When we were talking about Die Hard, it's like, if you're told there's a bomb, you need to see it go off. You can't then not have it go off. But man, a lot of buildings go down. Yeah, I don't understand what is happening. Some There's so much shouting. You can track, track what? And then we'll launch another thing. And I was like, a bomb to, is it a bomb to stop a bomb? I they, don't get it. They blow up a building to stop a, it, to stop the dominoes falling. The buildings are like dominoes. One goes and another goes. Why? Because that's, that's, how, that's how Venice works. <laughs> have you not been? It's famous. That's another thing. I have been. And they're like, this city is so vast. It's really not. It's actually quite small. And you what, can walk around it. Why have you it? filled it with roads? <laughs> <laughs> don't have roads here. Yeah, you've literally got the Nautilus, <laughs> but you're going to do it do, in a car. Do a, re- do a recce. It's, it's waterways. <laughs> but handily, you've got a ship that's huge that can go down any river any river <laughs> I think the visuals are really dull and lifeless here as well it's like Fifty Shades of Grey it's quite, like, dark, it's quite yeah. hard to look at yeah. again I think this was a, a, a problem with the editing um, the visual effects house by the sounds of things but uh, yeah no one knows what snipers are either it's just a lot of men with guns snipers snipers are more tactical than that <laughs> they're just opening fire on you from an ele- <laughs> elevated position uh, so we're done in Venice um, now we're off following Dorian, who's stolen a little pod thing. Um, I do like that. <laughs> Nemo, uh, famous seafarer, <laughs> Nemo actually does say, the sea is vast. It could be anywhere. <laughs> it's like, oh no shit. I didn't realize. The sea is vast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Is that why you're captain? Because you know the sea is vast. Sure, sure. Uh, but as we know, Gray's revealed as the spy. He kills Ishmael. Called me Ishmael. M is revealed as the phantom. I like this recording disc intercut with black and white. I think it looks cool and it's really fun. But the classic scene of the villain 
confessing everything, usually it's because the hero is in is in, in front of them mm. and kind of tricks them into doing it to buy a bit of time. It makes zero sense that you would pre-record your plan to play at the moment of their death. Absolutely no sense whatsoever. There's a double thing, though. There's an audio signal yeah. going out to the bombs on but the that's Nautilus. Because right. timers are rubbish. So, yeah. so have you an can audio just be like, signal. Hey, guys, it's me. Uh, well done. I have a very long story yes, to tell. Yeah, no, it does feel like Michael York should work it, walk in and say, Hello, I'm Battle Exposition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hyde comes to the rescue, saves everyone. I do like Jekyll in the mirror saying, Bravo, Edward! Bravo! Do we like Dorian saying, Growl? Yeah, we do. No. (laughs) Do we like Dorian saying, I set my wolf among you. Growl. (laughs) Do we like Dorian saying, Bon voyage? (laughs) Yes. Okay, I'm just checking. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) It's because it's in The Incredibles, isn't it, though? Once you've got a character called Bon voyage (laughs) in another movie, you just think of... That you're like, oh, I mean, I know it was later, but yeah, sure. Uh, we go to a very ornate factory in the frozen lakes of Mongolia. Uh, AQ faces off against an old tiger. Uh, it's very, it looks like Inception, though. Nolan was paying attention. Oh my god, you're so right. He was like, this is what I want. Put everyone in that hood <laughs> yeah. thing, yeah. yeah. It was good, fair, it's good. Uh, but I finally understood the old tiger analogy because it, it was past, yeah, beyond it was before. confusing me till what this morning. What are you talking about? But there, there is an actual old tiger, so it all becomes clear <laughs> at this point. So, Skinner sexually assaulted. Mina. Yeah, he arrives oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> grabbing her ass. And you've got to remember, he is naked while he's doing this. Yeah. So. And he says, I've always I've been waiting for ages mm. to do that. And we all go, ha, fair oh, hero. Yeah. what a hero. <laughs> so um, we get a lot of exposition here. The scientists are working because the women and children have been captured. Uh, there was a daughter of one of the scientists uh, called Eva Draper, who was cut, which would have made more sense at this point. Um, Sean Connery. Alan Quartermain says, we must take Emma alive if his secrets are to be uncovered. Um, which sort of makes they, it... They know all his secrets. They know all his secrets, and also they're about to kill him, so it's a pointless thing to say. Yep. Uh, I mean, for me, I've, I, every time I watch it, I love it until this point. I really do. I think it's great, and I think this final conflict in the factory... It's just, it's, it's a bit of a mess. I like the scope of the factory. I think it's good that it's yeah. absolutely ginormous. Yeah. Uh, we get the League working together now. Um, Skinner plants some bombs. Nemo frees the scientists. Sawyer and uh, Quartermain hunt M. A, a guy who, I swear to God, we hadn't seen yep. until now. Mm. A massive role to play all of a sudden. Wow. <laughs> yeah, who is he? Uh, he's called Dante. He's apparently, according to the internet, his second in command. Yeah. I thought that was Sanderson Reed. Really, it should be Sanderson Reed turning into the rage monster. Not he's, a guy called Dante. No. So this is the one who turns into the giant blood vessel? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Big shoulder pads. <laughs> he apparently is in two earlier scenes, but I don't think he has any lines, no. so it's just very confusing that he's got such a big part at the end. Uh, who is he? So it's all a little bit slash slapdash now. Um, Dorian versus Mean is quite good. Uh, I hope to get to nail you one more time. Didn't think it would literally. <laughs> did she chop his dick off? <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder. She mm. does though, I think. I think so. I was laughing, but I was like, I don't know if you do that now. Like it's a bit it's a bit tawdry. But I, I will say his death 
always stuck with me. It's just, crap. We're we talking about really. I just the think... painting looks fine, but, <laughs> but also stop carrying it around with you. Either don't show us the painting or make the painting look more horrible. It looks fine, it's doesn't like, it? Ugh. Yeah. And also, you know that it will kill you. Wasn't it on the wall of your house before? Because there's a big gap on the landing. That, that makes no sense. Because obviously, in the painting of Dorian Gray, the picture of Dorian Gray, he's hidden it in the it's attic. In the loft, so yeah. why is it being? What, was when was it taken? What's going on? But yeah. it's there because. Because M stole it, Moriarty. I understand that, but if it's so important, if you know it will kill you, maybe don't just put it in a bit of sacking cloth, <laughs> put it in a box or put a lock on it. I think the reason I like it is from Mina's expression, like she didn't even know. She didn't know how bad the effect of the painting was going to be. Like right. there's almost a tiny flicker of regret there, like she didn't want him to die that horribly. Yeah. But it's pretty grim. Uh, we got the red rage monster fighting Hyde. Uh, Moriarty's accent changes at it this does. point. Yeah, he becomes a bit more like this. It's yeah. like, it's like I quite liked it because I love Richard Roxburgh. So I thought maybe it's like oh, because he's he's stressed and so he's gone back to his sort of roots a little bit rather than his accent being an affectation. I read somewhere that his accent changes throughout the film in different situations. Right, I, but I didn't notice. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so he's like he's saying he's like Alex and that he can do any accent. Yeah. Oh God, of course. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, me and Roxborough were up for a. Long Lots of same similar roles. <laughs> I can kind of see yeah. that. <laughs> you, you, Roxborough, welcome. <laughs> uh, there's a wonderful moment where Hyde literally goes, Nemo! Nemo! And Nemo runs <laughs> over to him because he's been called. And Hyde yeah. literally goes, Run! Run! <laughs> it's like, don't call someone over and then go, What are you doing? Get out of here. It's like, You called me twice, <laughs> like you needed help. Yeah. Nemo, help me! Help me! What are you doing here, mate? <laughs> Run! Uh, We've got all these fights going on. Um, Let's get to the end. Well, because sure. Hyde says the red rage monster is, is, is burning through the potion too fast. He'll soon turn back. And then you turn back. Yep. Are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Didn't plan ahead. Didn't know. Didn't know anything. Didn't know what was going on. Just saying words. <laughs> Uh, I mean, also the bombs go off while they're all still in the factory. You'd think yep. if they were bad set, admin, if they were setting timers, you go. So you know, also be a great ticking clock for this movie. <laughs> we need to do this by X time, as opposed to we're just all still here and everything's on fire. <laughs> so bad planning. Uh, Sawyer uses the skill that Quartermain taught him. I like that to kill yep. Moriarty as he's running, and Alan Quartermain dies, calling mm. him son. And then off we go to Africa. Uh, Skinner, who was horrifically burnt in the factory, oh, yeah. now back to normal. Fine. Fine. So apparently there's an extra power being invisible has. And then we get that sort of really kind of weird cheapo-looking scene at the end that belongs in an 80s movie where the lightning strikes. And Quartermain's definitely going to be back for the sequel. It didn't happen. That's I wonder true, yeah, yeah. I, could, I wonder if Connery knew about that or if he didn't and they saw they were bringing him back to life at the premiere yet. I can just imagine going, no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Batman v Superman ending, isn't it? It with is. The, oh, with the yeah. grave sort of shaking. But also, so because earlier on, they're like, they say you're indestructible, Quartermain. It's like, well, a witch doctor did do something. So, fine. And then you're like, oh, look, Kel Surprise, it was true. The witch doctor really did do something. But they couldn't do it for your wife and son. So they're in the ground forever. <laughs> but you are indestructible. And also, we all remember that line from early on where someone says, oh, he mm. can never die in Africa. But we still have to have Skinner going... Do you think it was true when they said he could never die here, yeah, where we are now in Africa? It's taken us for idiots. The writing is shocking. So, there was talk of a reboot in 2015. Uh, an all-female fronted league 
uh, was planned. But I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's I know, just right? Annoying. What a stupid idea! It's not a it's <laughs> the just League a... of Extraordinary Women. It's, just... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the League League of Extraordinary People out of copyright. It's basically what this boils down to, isn't That's it? So true. Um, Who is it going to be? Do you know? Well. Alana Quatermain. <laughs> Mary a- Shelley. An invisible woman. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> oh, very good. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, when Disney and Fox merged in 2019, uh, it went away. Uh, but there is talk uh, from May last year uh, that there's going to be a Hulu uh, feature developed, um, written by a cure for wellness and Red Sparrow scribe, Justin Haith. But that was last year, and I haven't heard anything since. Fine, that doesn't trouble me. Right, um, can I just say, sometimes I look at the IMDb trivia for a film, and I think I'm not sure that's true. I found two bits for this film. On IMDb, this is. One of them said, uh, Peter Wilson's motivation for a character was that of flat, hollow, unleavened bread that can be split to hold an (laughs) (laughs) O-filling. Oh, that's horrible. And then the next bit said, the production went through 71 marionette strings during production to keep Sean Connery upright. (laughs) (laughs) Is that true? (laughs) (laughs) Lovely stuff. Shall we do the bits? Yeah. All right, what's your best scene, V? I like the library shootout because I think it's a good idea. You don't see that sort of thing very often on all the sheaves of paper flying around. And when they push the ladder around and it knocks yeah. all the guns. Yeah, and it's done well. Like, it's a good idea done well. Mm. And Dorian Gray has been... Ir- I just Some of his mannerisms just find a little bit like... Urgh. But because he know he can't die, even though he can... He, the way he stands and walks through everything, he's like, oh, fuck this guy, this doesn't bother me. And it's like, oh, that's an interesting... Because in the picture of Dorian Gray, it's not that he can't die, he just doesn't age, isn't that right? Yeah, basically in this, they wanted Wolverine, so they made Dorian Gray Wolverine. Yeah, so I didn't know, because I was like, I've read Dorian Gray, but I was like, I didn't know you were immortal. So it was a fun, I just thought it was done well. Yeah, sure. That's it. Chris? Uh, I'm picking the best action scene in the film, which is the scene in Kenya. Correct, As Alex yep. said. <laughs> Correct, um, yes. And it's, it's a fun action sequence, and it happens before we get any CGI, so it doesn't date the film. Right. And I also yeah. think that, you know, going back to what I said at the start about whether it's true or not, but if Norrington did have a hand in the first three reels of the movie and then bowed out for whatever reason, was like, washed his hands of it, mm. who knows? Um, I think, you know, the first couple of action sequences the library scene and the Kenya scene I think are the best action sequences which would maybe explain that actually Norrington was a fucking great director and a great editor and you know had he stuck around the rest of the film would have been good but maybe he knew the visual effects were pants and he wanted out I don't know Uh, so yeah I agree with you Chris Kenya so most valuable whatever Chris um, Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill for crafting a fantastic piece of source material on which this movie is based (laughs) Are we letting that go? Is that all right? It's called Most Valuable Whatever. Guess, <laughs> sure, yeah. sure, yeah. And okay. it's actually a good answer and actually the only correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, challenging that is uh, Victoria V. I like Jason Fleming in it. See you. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. I just, I like, I've got a lot of love for him anyway. Um, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I found it hard to pick, to be honest. So. He upsets me less than anybody else. He told uh, he told a brilliant story on uh, a radio show I used to do. He came on as a guest and he was talking about um, meeting Sean Connery for the first time on this set. And he said he was sort of, because he was playing Mr Hyde, he was up on this stage and um, Sean Connery walks in and he was like, I'm just not sure whether, you know, I should 
give him a hand onto the stage, like reach down and help him up because obviously he's getting a bit old now, whether that's going to be offensive mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I shouldn't do anything. And Sean Connery walks over and stands there and Jason Fleming doesn't offer the hand so he's not rude. And Connery goes... Well, you're going to give me your hand, you fucking cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. And, and Fleming does think this film's a piece of shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> I knew it was. We've come full circle. Uh, mine, I know you're going to disagree with me, but it's almost Stuart Townsend for Dorian. I think he's so good, but I'm giving it to Connery. I, uh, I think uh, part of the reason I forgive this film a lot of its flaws is just how good and magnetic and watchable Connery is in it. And you're watching, you know... I mean, Fox hired him because they wanted this. (laughs) I don't think I can find it now because I chucked all my notes on the floor. But um, (laughs) why did you do that? Fox, when they hired him, they were like, he brings a certain amount of class to this. And when people were like, are you not going to move the the release date because of pirates? Mm. And Fox were like, this isn't in this. This isn't in the same. No pun intended. League as pirates. This is for a more discerning movie viewer who doesn't want to go and watch a film based on a theme park. Right? Yeah. Why would they? I mean, I went to the premiere of Pirates of the Caribbean because no one else in my company wanted to go. It was considered such was a joke. Yeah. It was just considered a joke, that film. Mm. And then you sit and then you're going, oh, hold on. This is quite good. <laughs> well, what do we Keith, do with... Keith Richards is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> when, so Sean Connery is the hero and I understand why he was cast and I understand why he's good. But when Mina's going to walk in, he's, he's basically, are oh, you fucking kidding me? It's a woman. Mm. And that's never resolved. And so what do I do with that? Like, am I supposed to like him or not? Because he doesn't get a moment with her where he apologises. And um, it's just left there, hanging. And is that why is that okay? I think he doesn't need to say that he now approves of her presence why? in the league because I think it just there's an awareness, like when she saves their bacon in mm. Venice with her bats, that, <laughs> uh, that at that moment Connery's like, "No, this woman's okay." If you're horrible to a woman, you don't uh, need to apologise after, which is what Alex the, is trying to say. This is the message, yeah. And also, <laughs> it, I, I didn't realise it's unspoken. Bit of a kick in the teeth that in the source material she's the boss and not only is is she not the boss she's denigrated by the boss and he never even says sorry I think they have they have a little bit of a love-hate relationship in the comics (laughs) as well which but she's the boss so she doesn't (laughs) mind (laughs) right V what would you change oh the thing is I really 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 struggled because I don't even there's so many I don't know where to start Mm. so I'm just going to go back to what I said before which is Let's swap Dorian Gray for Dracula. Um, I think that's a good idea. Okay. And because they're a foil for each other, you know, they know each other, but it's like, you know Dracula. Mm. You escaped from Dracula. Let's have him come back. Mm. Okay, Chris? Um, I think assembling a crew should be much more fun than some of them entering a boardroom to meet each other. (laughs) (laughs) Particularly considering the powers they've got. Like, you're missing out on a great montage of finding the Invisible Man and all these other people. So, yeah, that needs to be figured out. And I feel like maybe you could do something more with Alan Quartermain's son. You know, maybe he's missing in action and and, and, and he, he's presumed dead, but maybe he shows up working for the Phantom and it gives us something with, for Alan to work with in the final, in the finale. Mm. But, um, I mean, there's a million and one missed opportunities in this film. Sure. I mean, some of them are literally sitting on a cutting room floor. I'd put back in the 30 minutes of deleted scenes. If you are as much of a fan of this movie as me, you can find them on YouTube. They are very good and add some depth to a lot of these characters. Uh, But really, mine's a bit of a curveball this week. I just changed Stephen Norrington and Sean Connery's relationship and have them have got on like a house on fire, had the best experience making this movie. So we would have got a handful more Sean Connery roles 
on the big screen. And also, we wouldn't have lost a really exciting director who, you know, made, I haven't seen The Last Minute, but made two fantastic movies. I haven't seen Death Machine either. So Blade and this. I've seen Blade a lot, though, in fairness. Blade's so, so good! Yeah, he's awesome. He's so good! <laughs> and it's just such a shame that uh, he doesn't make features anymore. They did, didn't have time to come up with a change this week. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, look, okay. <laughs> it's been so long going through that bloody movie. <laughs> it went really in-depth. So, yeah. All right, then. That's us done with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. John you want Yes, it's going to be very fast because I enjoyed it so much last week and Oscar season continues, so it's the same quiz as last week. Okay. I'm going to give you the year and the letters of a Best Picture Oscar winner. Right. We started in 1964 and moving forward. So, 1964 is the year and MFL are the letters. <laughs> MFL. You want a clue? Yeah. Yep. Musical. My fair lady. lady. Vicky it. gets it by a split second. Uh, 1965, just a year later. T S O M. The sound of music. Correct! Oh, what? <laughs> it was a big decade for the musical. It's going to do me no confidence. Look at you eking that out. Oh, you, didn't, you couldn't remember the fourth oh, word in that title, the sound of uh, music. God, I feel like I'm going to cry. <laughs> okay. Sound of monsters. Magic. Magic. <laughs> We're going forward a decade. Okay. The year is 1974. Okay. The letters are T G P T. This is a tricky one. It's almost like a trick question. T G P T. Mm. Uh, the final word in the title is a number. Um, oh my god! I'm so I'm, I'm so conscious of dead air that I'm not it's concentrating. The, it's the only sequel to have one best pack, picture, I believe. We've done it on this podcast. Oh god! It's one of the best films of all time. Really? It was a really good episode. It, it, the film that came. The before Godfather it, Part Two. Correct. Oh my god! <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> right. What a release. 1988. Yeah. R. M. <gasps> Rayman. Oh, Correct. Yeah. Oh, God, the fist's going in the air. <laughs> Two left. Just two left. 1990. DWW. You should be able to remember who I won know, that year, I, know, I think. I know, I know, I know. 19 what? No. 90. We have done it on this podcast. Does it involve? Correct. Oh, oh, thank, God, thank, God, thank God, thank God, thank God. Well played. <laughs> and the final one, Alex needs this to draw level. 1998 SIL. <laughs> Quite a controversial winner. Everyone thought a different film was going to win and this sort of surprised everyone by coming out of nowhere and grabbing the glory. 1998. It's a comedy set in England in the past. Shakespeare in Love. Correct. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Wow. <laughs> Vicky, do, do you want to shake his hand? Do you want to shake his hand? Don't, don't, don't try and shake my hand right now. I'm so angry. I'm so angry with you, with this quiz, with this show. Four two. I'm done. I'm done. Four two. Well played, Vicky. Thank you. Congratulations. Yes, well done. Well done. Well done. Right then, that's it. <laughs> uh, let's look ahead now uh, to next week and our next listener-suggested pairing as we carry on into February Fanny. I have the clue. Uh, it's not great. Uh, but nevertheless, here it is. Boy meets another world. B- boy meets another world. Great. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's your clue. Boy yeah. meets another no. world. And one of them will go to Venice. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I apologise right at the top of this show for that. I'm sorry, Chris. Not the straight man. You're right. <laughs> All right, then. So that's your clue. We are back on Thursday talking Van Helsing and revealing the winner of this week's Clash. Until then, have a great week. Bye-bye. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.